Well, guys, that was a pretty cool episode. I was going to say, before we got to the very ending of it, I was like, okay, it's kind of cool, but, you know, a bit of a filler, if you ask me. However, once we got that cameo at the end, or at least who I think that cameo is, which I'm going to talk about at the end of this breakdown, whoo, that was pretty nice. I hope I'm not wrong about it, so let's get right into this breakdown so we can get right to the ending and theorize about that. So... This one starts off with the Mando's ship shooting out of hyperspace as he's being fired upon by a man who says, hand over the child, Mando. So this guy's probably pretty much a, another bounty hunter. As the Mando and his mystery bounty hunter friend or enemy fight each other in space, the pursuit is pretty hot. This is where the man says, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold, which we know is a complete rip off of the Mando's line in episode one. So the Mando drops his thrusters, evades, and ends up behind his enemy where he locks on the target and says, that's my line. Fire! And blasts him to oblivion. As the ship is partially damaged, he repairs it as much as he can with the computer, but it really doesn't work. So we see him doing an emergency land towards Tatooine, which funny enough is also what Qui-Gon did. This was the home planet of Sand. No, it's Anakin Skywalker. For those of you who are new to Star Wars. Which, by the way, the channel is gaining like 10,000 subs every couple days, so thank you, all you newbies. I hope you uh, enjoy the content. As he nears the planet, we hear someone say, This is Mos Eisley Tower. We're tracking you. Head for Bay 35. Over. As the Mando lands in Bay 35, he puts little baby Yoda to sleep when we see the DUM or Dumb Series pit droids from episode one during the pod race. We also see them in Watto's junk shop where Jar Jar accidentally activates one and Anakin tells him to hit the nose. So this is a huge nostalgic flashback for me and a lot of you guys because it makes you remember of episode one, what was going on. These droids were designed for maintaining pod racers. They were cheap, they were durable, and they repaired things very well. They stood at 1.19 meters according to the internet. <laughs> But as we see in this episode, like in The Phantom Menace, they had the ability to fold up into a compact form when not activated. The Mando offers the mechanic some credits. Now, he couldn't fully pay the engineer, so he's going to find a job to, you know, collect some credits. And leaves to the town of Mos Eisley as he turns the corner to see helmets of stormtroopers on pikes. Now, the stormtroopers on pikes, this shows us that the town of Mos Eisley doesn't care for the Empire, which... They never really did since Tatooine is governed by the Huts, or at least, you know, it used to be. With the scene changing to the mechanic and the droids, she and her droids are playing a game of sabacc, most likely, when they notice the child walking out of the ship. They were startled by him, but realize it's just cute little baby Yoda. She grabs him and ordered her droids to go and get the child some food, with bones in it particularly. She says when the Mando returns, she'll charge him for the ship, and then extra for looking after the child. So this is where the episode really starts to pick up. The Mando walks into a cantina and we see some familiarity here with many things to do with episode 4 where Obi-Wan and Luke entered the cantina. The hive of scum and villainy. We see the R5 unit with the bad alternator. If you guys remember in episode 4, the R5 unit was the original one that Luke picked out. However, it had a bad alternator and so he had to choose R2. And then of course we got the hologram of Princess Leia and so on and so forth, which really started the story. So if we go back, there's a funny little story that was made. I totally forgot the name of where it's from, but it was made by Lucasfilm where the R4 unit actually speaks about or actually has an inner monologue 
about his story when Luke chose him. He had a force vision, apparently, about what the future would have been like if Luke had indeed chosen R5, then went on to actually combust his alternator and make himself smoke so that he looked like he was broken so that Luke would go and choose R2. It's a cute little story, but of course it's not canon at all. So I just thought I'd throw it in there. The Mando asks the droid, who is the bartender, for work, whereas he informs him, or it informs him, that the guild is no longer operating from Tatooine. When the Mando asks for other kinds of work, the droid informs him that that's not going to work either. This is when a voice from the corner, with his feet up, kind of looking like some sort of Han Solo, holding a Republic coin, tells the Mando that he has a job for him. His name is Toro Calican. He activates his puck and says he picked it up in the mid-rim. Fennec Shand, an assassin that has been on the run since the New Republic put her employees on lockdown. She's headed out beyond the Dune Sea, and he says that she's here on Tatooine and that it should be an easy kill. The Mando rises and leaves the table walking away, saying good luck with that. Toro says, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, I thought you needed work. The Mando says, how long have you been in the guild? And Toro says, long enough. Clearly not, says the Mando. Fennec Shand is an elite mercenary. She's killed for all the top crime syndicates, including the Huts. Toro sighs and knows that this is a job way over his head and that he's just gonna get killed easily. He stops the Mando and says, Look, you can keep all the money. I just need this bounty to make it into the guild. This is my first job. The Mando accepts and tells him to meet him in the hangar in half an hour. As he heads back to the ship, he finds the engineer holding Baby Yoda, and she starts to, you know, go on her talks about trying to get more money from him. As the Mando sort of ignores it and heads out and finds Toro waiting with two speeders. They blast off into the sand dunes, which gave me a big flashback of Anakin on the speeder going to save his mother from the sand people. And it also reminded me of Count Dooku on a speeder from Episode 2. It didn't remind me much of Episode 6 because these two were the sand planets, Tatooine and Genosis. As they stop, the Mando and Toro come across Tuscans when the kid freaks out and the Mando steps him aside as he starts to negotiate in sign language with them for passage through their lands. The sand people agree and the Mando throws them Toro's new binox, access granted. They get back on their speeders, blast off without getting into any trouble from the sand people because we all know that they would have shot at them and chased after them if they hadn't bartered and come to a deal. Arriving at their destination, they watch over a dewback in the distance as they see someone passed out by its feet. They think this is Fennec, so the Mando asks for cover, and he goes up to the passed out dude who's another bounty hunter with a fob of his own, realizing that it's just a dead guy. He starts to run as he notices that she's near him when it's too late, and he receives some sniper shots. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline from her MK-modified rifle, 
His Beskar held up from that range, which is lucky considering she shot him twice. Toro asks, what do we do if she escapes? The Mando says, she's got the high ground. She'll wait for us to make the first move. As he goes to rest, he orders the boy to keep watch with his DL-44 blaster, at least kind of what looks like it, I could be wrong. The sun dips down and the Mando gets up from his rest, giving a flash charge to Toro. As he says the plan is to charge her on the bikes and to alternate the flashes so she gets blinded and can't aim, Toro reluctantly agrees. The plan works for the most part, except for the fact that she eventually hits the Mando twice and Toro speeds up to stealthily end up behind her, drawing his blaster on her. As they fight and she makes a fool out of him, fighting like Darth Maul almost, which makes me wonder if she actually killed for the crime syndicates, then maybe she worked for Crimson Dawn or the Shadow Collective or something of the past. Now, it would be over 10 or 20 years ago, but it's possible. The Mando shows up to save Toro, saying, perfect distraction, as he throws cuffs at her and orders her to put them on at blaster point. The Mando then tells Toro to walk to the dewback and ride it back to them so Fennec can travel on that one, since there are three of them now. Toro says, no way, I'm not leaving you here with both of my rides in my bounty. The Mando realizes how sketchy it could look, so he decides to go himself and orders Toro to stay there, guarding Fennec saying, don't let her near the bike. She's no good to us, dead. This, of course, is a direct line callback to Boba Fett from The Empire Strikes Back when Vader was testing the freezing process with Han Solo. As the sun comes up, Fennec starts to play with his head, telling him that the Mando is a wanted man, that he shot up the guild and went rogue, kidnapping some wanted child. Toro realizes that the child that he saw with the engineer is the child the Empire is looking for. She tells him to capture the Mando, turn him in, and take his Beskar armor. He'll be welcomed with open arms into the guild, and he will be a legend. He'll wear the famous and rare Beskar armor of a Mandalorian. Toro kills her point blank. This was kind of a blindside. I didn't really expect this at all, but he does. He says if the Mando is worth more than her, then what good is she? Which makes sense. He says thanks for the tip and leaves to the hangar to kidnap the child. The Mando returns to Fennec to see that she's dead. As he heads to the town, it's now sunset again. Arriving at the hangar, he goes in to find Toro, holding the child and the engineer hostage, telling him to put his hands behind his head. As the engineer is ordered to cuff him, she sees he's holding a flash charge in his hands behind his helmet, as she says, you're smarter than you look. As Toro is about to execute him, talking about himself becoming a legend when he brings his body in, the Mando activates the flash and blinds him and Baby Yoda. Poor little Baby Yoda. He vanishes like Batman and kills Toro from the side. As they find little Baby Yoda who scurried off, he pays the engineer, blasts off out of Tatooine, and we think that's the end of the episode. However, it's not. Just when the show is thought to be over, we see a person walk up to the dead body of Fennec. As they walk, we hear the infamous spurs jingle with each step. Now at this point, I wish I caught my reaction because I, imme I immediately had an idea of who this was. And now mind you, I could be completely wrong, but... The camera angle shifts and we see the entity kneel when it cuts to the credits right at the knee reveal. Now I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that this is Boba Fett. If it is, this is astronomical news. If it is, then it was alluded already in a previous book, which I can't remember the name of, sadly. I think it was 
Tales of Luke Skywalker, or it might have been Aftermath or something like that. I'm going to leave it to you guys in the comments below to specify. Anyways, all I remember is the story. Someone was traveling and they found the armor of Boba Fett, which was described to have looked like it was partially digested, with large tooth marks and acid burns. These would all indicate the Sarlacc fight, meaning that... I guess, you know, Boba was indigestible and the Sarlacc maybe spat him out or Boba used his vibroblade or something to cut his way out of there. This would be insanely cool if it actually happened and if it's actually Boba. And if it's not, well, they had us all fooled for a week or however long it's going to be until they reveal it, which I think is going to be a week. This episode was pretty cool. Now, originally I was like, okay, it ended, everyone's kind of dead, and the manager just continues on with his journey. It really felt like a filler, but once they put this scene in there with the possible idea of Boba Fett being alive after all these years, dude, I'm buzzing. I think this could be a really, really cool thing. So let me know what you think down in the comments below. Is it Boba Fett or is it someone else? Leave a like on this video if you enjoyed the breakdown and all the little Easter egg things. And I'm sure there's probably some more things, but eh, there's not really that important. This is the main meat of the matter, man. These are the, the potatoes and steak or steak and potatoes, whatever it's called. And Boba being a possible character to have survived. Seems like they're bringing everyone back. You know, Palpatine's back, Boba's back. Uh, who else is coming back? You know, Watto or something? Okay, hope you guys have an awesome rest of your day. Leave a like on this if you enjoyed it, and I'll catch you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you. Always. Now, full